0: Good morning, everybody. Let's go ahead and find a seat. Um, we're having, so we were having technical difficulties. We are no longer, except I have not tested the clicker yet. So let's see if that works. Oh, perfect. Except it's giving me the uh, little controls there. That's okay. All right, so um, good morning. My name is Sean Scott. I'm one of the elders here at Redeemer, Um, brand new elders. So uh, Dan had this idea to teach this class over the summer. And one of the things that we're going to be able to do is uh, team teach it with me, uh, Pastor Dan, Dave Larson, and Steve Welsh. We're going to cover the doctrine of the church this summer. Um, In Sunday school, and adult Sunday school, uh, there's another class downstairs studying 1 Corinthians, or is, is it both books, 1 Corinthians, downstairs as well. Um, there's going to be some overlap, I think, between the two classes, right? Uh, as we think about the doctrine of the church, we think about the New Testament. We're in the time of uh, the same time of redemptive history that the New Testament is in, right? And so it's, the, it's God developing his church, um, and, and we are part of that effort, which is really cool. So uh, I uh, have some slides up here. If you scan this QR code, you can follow along the, with the slides on your, on your device if you would like to. I'm going to try and be really good about using the clicker. Uh, to keep up. So I'm going to give everybody a second. If they want to scan the QR code, you certainly can. Um, And if it doesn't work, just let me know. Uh, But we're going to keep plugging along here. So one of the things Dan asked me to do, and I think last week he showed a a video of, um, I think her name was Susan Hunt. Is that right? Um, She uh, was talking about, it's in celebration of the, the PCA's 50th anniversary, just what the church has meant to her and maybe her recollection of uh, some of the early days of the PCA and how she's seen uh, the the PCA be faithful uh, to uh, teach uh, to the stewardship of God's word and and the way that the church has really impacted her life. So Dan thought it would be a good idea for us to also share as we come up here and teach for the first time what the church has meant to us. So just a very quick background for me, um, the way and it's gonna you're actually gonna hopefully pick up a lot of the themes and what I talk about with my story and what I talk about this morning, which is uh, my impact with the church. Is I was raised Catholic. And so I, church was just an, an event, something that I did, um, a cultural sort of institution, right? I didn't think of it those in those ways as a teenager, but uh, I, you know, as I look back, I see it was just something we did. My parents explicitly said, "Well, we go to church so that you can turn into a good person," <laughs> right? Like they would, they would say things like that. So, um, I growing up, the church was meaningful to me only insofar as it entertained me, as insofar as I could find friends or. I would go to youth group for cute girls, um, and that, that was my sort of my experience with the church. Um, and so when I got to college, I stopped going to church because sleeping in on Sunday mornings was better. Uh, it was a better option. And so fast forward a few years, I end up going to UNC Wilmington literally just for one year. Um, I'm at orientation for, for UNC Wilmington, and this guy named James Connolly comes up to me and he says, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm, I'm just at orientation. I'm trying to figure out where my classes are going to be. And, and he, he asked me this question. It's awesome. And, uh, and I just get to talking to him and I was like, well, I, I grew up going to church. Does that, does that count? And he was like, well, no, it doesn't, it doesn't. So fast forward again, two more months, I'm moving into UNC Wilmington and I pull up into the parking lot where, my, uh, where I'm going to be living. I, I start to unload my car and who shows up? James Connolly, <laughs> with a big uh, like dumpster thing, you know, he was just part of a, um, his church's ministry to help college students move into their housing. Um, the next, it's a Saturday, and so the next morning he actually shows up and he picks me up and takes me to church. He takes me to Port City uh, Community Church down in Wilmington. I don't know how, if anybody's familiar with that church, but through that church, I get plugged into a small group. Right? They have a big um, event that first weekend of the semester where they're trying to get students plugged in and really um, engaged with the life of the church. And I get, I get plugged into a small group with these guys named Javi and Drew. Um, between James, Javi, and Drew, I really am thankful that the Lord has like, put them in my life because they're, you know, the Lord worked through people to bring me to a church that um, believed in uh, Scripture as the inerrant Word of God. As Jesus is the Son of God who died uh, for for us, so that we would uh, be brought back into relationship with God, and Javi and Drew, among uh, among others in my the small group that I joined, really sat with me and helped me understand some of the distinctions between what do what did I grow up sort of professing and believing as as uh, as someone who attended Catholic Church versus what does their church believe and why. Um, Fast forward even more, I come back to Raleigh after a year of being down in Wilmington. I took a job. I was working at the YMCA as a camp director, and um, I started dating uh, Julie, right? And so this is so embarrassing, but my first time visiting Redeemer was back in 2013. I looked that up this morning, which is kind of crazy. It's been like 10 years, literally 10 years, uh, since the first time that I visited Redeemer. And the only reason I came here in the first place, I'm just telling on myself, is because I wanted to impress Julie, and her parents, who are sitting right back here in the back. Um, so, uh, so I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that God has put people in my life that have brought me into the church. I don't have the same nice story that Susan Hunt had last week about the PCA. I, I just, I see how the Lord has clearly worked through people. Um, and that's really, I keep saying that, and I'm using people's names because I think that people matter to God. And so I want to use their names and tell you about them because I think the Lord clearly works through people. Um, so I start dating Julie, and then I start getting to know Brad, uh, who is our former associate pastor, and the reason was, he was like, who's this guy that's dating Julie, and loads of skepticism abounds in, in Redeemer at this point, they're like, who is this guy, Julie has taught many of uh, the kids here who have now grown up, and are like teenagers, and um, babysat them, and all, all that stuff, right, so she's beloved here, and, and Brad is like, who is this guy, I'd have to get to know him, and, and so I get to know Brad a little bit, and Brad helps me to understand some of, even even sort of Further what it means to be Reformed, Presbyterian, things like that. And he sat with me very patiently as I read this book called Enduring Community. Um, and we met like every month we would discuss a different chapter of this book. I am borrowing heavily from this book. I do not claim any of these ideas this morning to be mine. Um, I am borrowing borrowing very heavily from this book. It's a book written by Brian Habig and Les Newsom who have uh, roots in RUF, I'm not sure. I think both are pastors now um, in, in PCA churches, but uh, this is an excellent book. Uh, it was an excellent book for me because it really helped unpack uh, what is the value, what is the value of the church beyond just a place you go and a thing that you do, right? Um, it, what, is, what does it mean to be part of a church? So that's my story. I, I ended up you know, getting a job here. I worked here as the student ministry Uh, first the student ministry assistant, and then the student ministry director um, for, let's see, five years, I think total. Um, And then I moved on to a different uh, vocation, Um, but now I'm here as an elder. And it's just, if if I think about 10 years ago when I first visited to now, um, it's so clear to me that all of the things I'm going to talk about this morning are true. And this is how God works. And this is the, the fact that God was at work in my life to bring me uh, not only to, to saving faith, but also to a, to a community like this, uh, to a church like this, um, I'm incredibly thankful. And my life should be a testimony to a lot of the things that, that I'm gonna talk about this morning. So what are we studying? This is the, I think the joke was, this is like a Puritan title because uh, it's so long. Learning to love the glorious bride of Christ, the, the neglected doctrine of the church. So let's review. The goal of this class is in particular to awaken and or deepen your love for the church, which is the bride of Christ. More on that later this morning. To deepen your love for the bridegroom, Jesus, who loves his bride. So not only should we learn to love the church, but we should learn to love uh, the bridegroom, who is Jesus, who loves his church deeply and with great affection. And then to embrace the privilege of being part of the church. Again, more on this later. I wanted to review these goals because they're going to come they're going to come full circle in the things that I'm going to talk about this morning. So We have this working definition here, the church is all of God's elect, the one holy, universal, and apostolic people of God gathered together in a visible organization. So we had this, uh, Dan gave us this this list of images last week. Um, So a lot of the ways that God is going to tell us about his church, especially in the New Testament, but we can trace a lot of these themes across the whole Bible, is through images. Um, I don't know about you, but I am a visual learner, so this is helpful for me to really think about images and how these images bear out what God has to say about his church. Um, and so before we even dive into what these images, like exploring a few of these images, I'm going to go through three. Dan's going to close us with another one at the end of, uh, at the end of uh, this class. and then, but, but what I want to tell you is that this is not an exhaustive understanding of what the church is. These are just images that help us to paint a larger picture. And so we first need to talk about identity. Identity matters. Our high school Sunday school teacher, Phil Rendall, he uh, will go through this idea of like uh, identity, like who are you in, if you are in Christ? Like what, wh- how does that, how, do, how are you defined as a new person when you are in Christ versus just like if I was to define myself, I would say, you know, apart from Christ, I would say, my name is Sean, I'm a uh, five foot seven white man who is a father and a husband and, a, and a, an employee and a son and, and all, of these, all of these, you fill in all the blanks, right? Um, but really, like rooting our identity in, in Jesus first, it gives us a whole new identity and, it, and it, it makes these other things, they certainly matter, but they're less important than our identity being in Christ. So we, kn- we believe that as individuals, but as a church, we need to find and root our identity in what Jesus says, and God says in his word about the church, right? We need to root it. It's very important that we do that. I think busyness gets in the way of us taking a step back and really thinking, who is Redeemer? What is its purpose? And what are we trying to, what are we trying to accomplish? So listen to this from Paul. He says, he's, ex- he's exhorting. He says, prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up uh, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth uh, by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. So real quick, what are some of the dangers that Paul is telling us here? Uh, what can happen if we don't root ourselves in what God says about the church through his word? What are, th- what are those dangers? What's that? Yeah, we dry up. Okay, yeah. Yeah, tossed about. about. What does that mean? Subject to heresy, subject to heresy, cultural influence. Sure. Anything else? Easily swayed. swayed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. Is this idea of unity? Why? Why are we really? Is the church really one, or is the church really unified? Okay. Anything else? What What are the dangers? We don't mature, absolutely, right? If left to our own ideas, right, uh, we will dry up, we'll wither on the on the vine, right? Yeah, good. There's a, there's
1: a of growing up to a whole measure of the fullness We don't learn Christ to the full measure.
0: Hmm, mm. yeah. All right, the first image that we're gonna talk about is this idea of, the, oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. Right. So in my story, I church was just something I did. It's something I went to, and and, you know, it was like a a, an event on the calendar, right? I just show up, and it's just you're just in a building, and it's it's entirely more than that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, We're gonna so we're gonna dive into a few of these images this morning. I'm gonna cover building. Um, body and bride. So the church is a building, the church is a body, the church is a bride. I just said church is not a building. So what what does that mean? Cliffhanger, here we go. Let's talk about it. So Paul uh, says again in Ephesians, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Um, So this idea of building, church as a building, well, it's not the physical building, right? Like we see that very clearly. It says uh, citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So household, God's house, we might think church building. But really what that means is that it's a collection of living stones, right? Right? Our whole building campaign. We just built a building, and I think we grew in the midst of that building campaign. Which tells me that the church is not a building; it's in fact the people and being rooted in in Christ and being and living out of that reality. Uh, that because God's plan is to um, build living stones on top of the foundation, which is Jesus, on top of the work of the prophet or of the apostles, right, that that came before us. Uh, and, and 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 knit us together as a structure that he is going to raise up and grow. What does it say? Uh, rise to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him uh, too, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God, uh, I mean, think about the Old Testament, right? Like the uh, the, what are the, what are the, when you think of uh, church as a building or the history of God in buildings, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The tabernacle, of the, temple. The, tabernacle the temple, maybe even the Ark of the Covenant, right? Like a physical uh, place where God was p- present, right? But what this is saying is like, God's desire always has been to be, to dwell amongst his people, right? Think about the garden. When, we f- when humanity fell, the, what was the punishment? Separation from God, Right? They were banished from the presence of the Lord, right? But God's plan from the beginning was in his desire is to be with his people. Um, so listen to this from Jeremiah. He says, Men will no longer say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It will never uh, enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another one be made. If you read about how the ark, what the ark would have looked like or if you look at the pictures, it's an impressive uh, thing, right? It's an impressive object. Um, but what he, Jeremiah is saying, like, there, that's not that's not the point, right? That's not how God is not going to just continue to build uh, bigger and bigger like temples and and, and dwell there. He's going to dwell in the hearts of his people. Um, this is an ancient idea. This is not something that is brand new to the to the New Testament, right? Um, and then realized in Acts 2. So when the, when the Spirit comes, uh, the the Spirit dwells in us, right? The glory of the Lord dwells in us. Uh, we are knit together. Uh, because God is at work within each of us and within us collectively, and then Paul keeps he addresses it again in First Timothy. Listen to this. He says, "I am writing to you uh, to you these instructions, so that if I am delayed, you will uh, know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth." Who who of you, if better parents? or maybe your parent, you experienced this with your parents, but would say something along the lines of like, uh, you know, if you're going to live in, in my house under my roof, who, who has ever started a, a phrase like that, right? Or heard that said before, right? Um, well, Paul is saying, I'm writing to you these instructions so that, and you could, you could hear that as, when you, if you're living under my roof and my walls, then blah, blah, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. The important part is what happens after that, that, start, that strong start to the statement, Right? It's not, the, it's not the four walls that the, or, the, or the roof that themselves um, have power, right? It's what, is, what does life look like in those four walls? What does life look like under that roof? Uh, well, what Paul is saying here is that the church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of truth. The pillar and foundation of truth. What are the implications of that? If the church is this collection of living stones built together, that's job is to glorify God to help, uh, our, our thing here is to help each other know and follow Jesus, right? That's sort of our Redeemer's mission, like, like our tagline, right? Uh, we want to help each other know and follow Jesus. What that looks like is preaching the word, uh, worshiping together, uh, doing life together, being involved in Bible studies, and, um, and serving the, not, not only each other, but our community. Um, what are the implications of the church together being the pillar and foundation of truth? That's a strong statement.
1: I think it gives a lot more weight to the church than our current culture.
0: Even within even our current uh, Christian culture of marriage, but each other. Okay. Not the pillar and foundation of Sunday morning attendance. It's the right. It's the pillar. It's the pillar and foundation of truth. Yeah. Of, uh, good, behavior. good behavior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most significant implication is truth is relative, it's absolute. Yeah. Right. And yeah. This is the organization that God placed as a cultural change agent to inform the culture. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, I want to get that on like a bumper sticker or something. Um, that was, that was really good. Um, so the implications are that yeah, that truth is something that we can know. Right. Uh, that the place to find that is among other living stones, among other believers, right? That are being built up, um, not only not just through, uh, not just through mere attendance, but engaging in the word together, uh, living together. I mean, in, in before sin even enters the world, God said is not good for man to be alone, right? Um, and so we know that doing this together, being uh, joined living stones t- together, um, through that we can share the truth with one another. We can preach the truth. On you know uh, when we from the, from the pulpit on Sunday mornings and then and then hopefully help each other live out of that truth yeah. Yeah, and, and Redeemer has its faults. Uh, I'm not, we're not under any delusion that our church is, is perfect, right? But what I will say is that for us to have gone through a building campaign where we build this brand new building that looks really pretty and nice and new, whatever, um, that would not have gone as well as it did if we did not cling to the fact that the church's job was not to build buildings, right? If we were rooted in our ability to build a building and fill the seats, that building campaign would have gone way worse than it did, right? almost without fail, like building campaigns are up there in the top, I'm sure in the top five of like why churches struggle, right? And we get to, we get to wonder out loud, Lord, why, why were you so faithful? And why, why did our church main, you know, maintain and not not just maintain, but grow in the midst of this building campaign? Well, it's because we visited this idea of what is the building, right? The building is the people inside of the building, right? (laughs) Right. That's the, that was the whole um, idea. Yeah. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. It will not stand; it will fall down. And and so when Paul uses the words pillar and foundation of truth, the church, the church becomes the place where you can you build through Christ a life that you can know that it's going to be solid. As mm-hmm.
0: It's not a perfect analogy, but my daughter Lily is four, and she um, has these wooden blocks that she loves building with, and she watches me build often, so she'll ask me to come sit with her and build with her, and I do, and I you know, put these blocks up, and I know how to do it. I know how to make the, the structure so it doesn't fall over, right? Um, well, she does not. <laughs> she'll start building, and from, the, from like 10 months old, she was already trying to stack things on top of each other. It was awesome, but now when she like, can look and watch me as I build, and then she tries to mimic that, right? She tries to take the blocks and build it the same way. So daddy, I want to build a tower just as tall as yours, right? Like, you know, that's not, she even understands this idea that like, I have to, I have to place my hope of this, like this building, this tower on something else, (laughs) like this other idea that I find outside of myself, right? And so for us, our greatest hopes for our church have to be found in scripture, right? Have to be found in this idea that the, the, the church is not a building. It's a pillar and foundation of truth because the world needs to know something about, uh, Jesus and the church is a huge agent in, uh, for that, right? Like we hope that we that as as God builds us up as a holy temple together, as a beautiful uh, structure, as a you know a collection of living stones, that the watching world says, what's different about them? What what do they believe? Um, so the authors of this book make a very a pretty st- strong statement. They say only in the church can we find uh, the fullness of truth, make sense of our lives, and have our deepest longings met. So not only is the church a place where um, God is working to build living stone upon living stone? But also, it is, a, we think, it's a, like, a, like a must-have. It's not just optional. It's not just, oh, you can, you could, you can grow as a Christian at church, or you can just kind of grow as a Christian um, alone. They actually, in one of their chapters in that book, they, they sort of address that idea of just like me and Jesus, right? It doesn't work. That's, that's clearly not. If Paul is saying that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth, well, apart from that, you, you, you're left with an incomplete picture, right? And so this is why we believe that attend, not just church attendance, which is like, I don't want to downplay church attendance. I think church attendance is important because when you're here, you're able to worship with other believers. But it's not in and of itself the thing that, uh, that uh, church, it doesn't complete the idea of what church should be and ought to do uh, in the lives of people. Um, yeah, Yeah, Yes, Yeah, so. Hold on to that thought because it's gonna lead, it's gonna segue nicely into Dan was like, hey, how long how long are you gonna take? I I you know so I know how how long to fill. I was like, oh, 35 minutes. It's already nine twenty five, so I gotta keep I gotta go. Uh, but to summarize this idea of building, um, Dan knew too. He's like, I'm only gonna do three slides because he's gonna take so long. Um, the to summarize this idea of build, church as a building, like I, my at least what I think we should do is check our priors a little bit. Like, do I think of the church as just a place? Do I think of it just as a building? Um, if I do, maybe I need to submit to the architect, God, who wants to build us stone by stone on top of the cornerstone, Jesus, into a masterpiece that is a testament to his character and plans. The Understanding the church is a building uh, of living stones uh, helps us to check our, our, maybe, or check our priors and really reevaluate how do we think about the church and building together. So what Ivan said was really uh, important, makes, making sense of our lives. How can we do that? Well, we can do that in the midst of the church as a body, right? So if we think about these words from Paul again in Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, uh, who is over all and in all. When there's repetition in the Bible, it means something is important. What word do you see repeated? One, one. That is an important word here. <laughs> well, I wonder why uh, is the church really one? If you were here last week, we shared some of the disappointments of the church, and if you think about all of the different denominations and different ways that the church has sort of split and fractured over time, and um, and uh, gone different ways, and and you know even local church bodies splitting into two different congregations, and it can feel like the church is not actually one, right? Like, do you guys do you guys get a sense for that? That the church is not actually one. So, what do you think he means by uh, the church is supposed to be one? What is Paul trying to get out there? Singular purpose and mission. Yeah, singular purpose and mission. Okay. We're all connected to Christ, and therefore all. Connected to each other. And is Redeemer's Christ different from Southbridge's Christ? No, right shared understanding of who God is, because what he's saying here is he's not saying um, anything other than there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. There is one hope, right? That, um, we're going to get, I'm, I'm trying not to jump too far ahead, but like we're going to get into uh, being unified in, the, in, in, under, in our understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, what the word of God is, like these really important tier one uh, beliefs. That doesn't mean that every church has to look exactly the same. Right, but it's very, very, very important, crucial, uh, to to share these uh, uh, purpose and uh, mission. Right, it's 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 crucial to to do that. Otherwise, we will again wither and and fail, and and divide, and and be subject to our our ideas of what of what church is not God's idea of what church is. Um, So, other examples of pleas for unity in this one hope, this one faith, uh, uh, by understanding this one God. Think about uh, the high priestly prayer. Jesus says uh, that they all may, may be one, Father, just as, uh, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So if we look at the, just this uh, statement, I, don't, I wish I had time to like do more of the context. Go re- I mean, if you haven't read the high priestly prayer in a while, go read it. Jesus' heart is just on display, right? And he's saying that they may all be one and then look at the end, uh, so the world may believe that you have sent me, Right? So what did I just say? I talked about how, as the watching world, if they see us as a building of living stones that is uh, trying to love God, love others, and serve well, um, we are unified in that purpose, even though we might do things differently. And in fact, it's good that we do things differently, right? Because the, because not all of us were made as little like robots, right? That that you know that, that's not that's not a biblical picture of who we are. Being unified doesn't mean that we are uniform. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.13, is Christ divided? No, there is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all. Paul is writing to a diverse group of churches in his letters, right? He's not telling them, and he tells them different things, right? He doesn't have the same exact advice for all of them, but all of his uh, letters are rooted in the same truth about Jesus, right? Like, yeah, go ahead. Randy, I'm so glad you said that. We have, <laughs> we have commonalities that confound the world. So I, when, I was, when I was working here as a youth, uh, the student ministry director, I uh, had coffee with the uh, youth guy down at Southbridge. Uh, his name was Danny. I don't think he's there anymore, but his name was Danny. And we went and had coffee because I was just like, hey, we know some of the same students. Some of your students are coming to my stuff. Some of my students are going to your stuff. Um, let's just hang out and talk about these kids and maybe sp- spend some time in prayer. And it was awesome because we were able to share the ways that we see God working in each, in each church and see how he's working in the lives of students. Uh, we're not rivals because we didn't each wear our, t- our church t-shirt to that coffee, right? Like, you know, we're not rivals because we uh, do ministry five minutes apart from each other. Uh, we're partners in the gospel, right? Um, this partnership confounds, our, uh, confounds a watching world who would say, why, like, why, would you, why would these two churches be friends, right? It doesn't make any sense. Um, right? But we have commonalities that confound the world. So think about the person that you have the most in common with, either in your workplace, maybe one of your friends. You guys share a lot of the same interests, um, but you're a believer and they're not. Even though you may live in their neighborhood, like the same sports team, wear, uh, you know, wear very similar clothes, drive similar cars, you have all of these things that you might on the outside have in common with them, but you have less in common with them than the person living Halfway around the world in poverty, who is a follower of Jesus? Do you believe that? Or are we focused on the externals and and really focused on um, the things that we that look similar, rather than understanding like internally what is what is actually uh, what is actually this common? Uh, Randy, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but common bond? What is this common bond that unites two people that could, that could not look more different, right? Um, for our body to be unified, we need to live out of the reality. This is, again, from the book. It says They say, for, the, for our body to be unified, we need to live out of the uh, reality that we see each other as having everything in common, even though we are all image bearers who look and do things differently. This helps us to look at uh, a, bro- a brother or sister in Christ and, and not wonder why don't they why don 't they read their Bible the same way I do why don 't they dress the same way i do i don 't know whatever it might be fill in the blank it helps us to, to take a step back and say no they're an image bearer that God has uh, chosen for himself right that gives them inherent dignity and value because they bear the image of the of the creator of the universe. how can they part, how can I partner with them for the sake of the gospel? How can I learn from them for the sake of uh, the, the church and and more people coming to know and follow Jesus. So what prevents us from doing that? What prevents us from living out of the reality that uh, seeing each other that's uh, having everything in common? Pride. Pride, yeah? We don't prioritize, yeah, I like that. We don't prioritize them. I said at the beginning, sort of busyness help, like, prevents us from really diving deep into um, uh, maybe some of these ideas that we just show, we, we show up to church as a habit, but we don't necessarily wonder, like, what do I actually think about church? What prevents us from seeing others as having everything in common with us? Um, I think, like, busyness, pride, uh, loads of other things. Let me move a little quickly here. Uh, so our body is unified, but not uniform. So one of the mo- more uh, famous uh, passages in the Bible related to the body is from where? To, does anyone know where I'm going with this? 1 Corinthians 12, right? Um, it, it, this idea that there are no unimportant parts. The pinky toe and the, and the thumb and the, are, are, are uh, crucially important to the, to the body, right? Um, I don't know if anyone has tried to walk without a pinky toe or like done something to that, but like you hurt one toe and you start to stumble around, right? Like it's, it's kind of crazy how that works. And there, it is a privilege for us to be uh, made by God and, be, and, and given gifts so that we can serve his church, right? Um, again, I'm, <laughs> I'm so out of time, but I want you to, to, to see something like this and take a step back and think, am I, am, what, how has God uh, made me? With what, you know, what gifts has he given me? And with those gifts, how do I serve his church? Because even though we're unified, we're not uniform. Yeah, so 1 Corinthians 12, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Um, that's, again, submitting like the other picture, submitting to the architect and saying, you have made me in, a, in, in this way. Um, I stopped working as the student ministry uh, director, but I'm now an elder, right? Like, I, you know, I, my desire, and I get excited about talking about the church, this is why Dan recruited me to talk about uh, the church in in this class, because I love, I'm just cheesy. I love this idea of like standing side by side with people that otherwise I would have nothing in common with and, and having this common purpose of like helping others know and follow Jesus, particularly students. I love just hanging out with middle schoolers and high schoolers, which makes me weird, I know. Um, but like, I love getting into the weeds of their lives and, and finding out why do you think the way you think? Why did, why did those words just come out of your mouth, right? Um, like, you know, th- things like that. So I, I get really excited about this idea that we all have different gifts and we can all learn from each other. Lastly, yes, go ahead. So you said, like, asking yourself something about asking yourself, like, uh, you know, what are the specific ways to go? Oh, yeah. Mm. But how can I enable them to serve what God has given them passion and capable service? Yeah. Could you briefly repeat that for the podcast? That uh Michael if going forward, all of the the features of repeating. Okay, questions? The, okay, got it, got it, got it. So Michael said something along the lines of um you should ask your you should ask people who may be doing things differently that you don't really understand or you may even question why they why they have that priority or why they have that really strong desire to do a certain thing um, and really be, so the idea is like, be curious, not judgmental, right? That's like a misattributed quote, on Walt Whitman, Ted Lasso, I don't know. Um, so uh, uh, who, I don't know who said that, but be curious, not judgmental. Um, and we can, we can root that in the idea that God has made and chosen, right? What his, his words, uh, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So being curious about them is being curious about, what God is doing in their life. Yeah. Super
1: quick. It's really important that we not only accept service opportunities when they're afforded and seek to see where our gifting lines up, but part of being a member of the church is submitting to the leadership and the ruling elders of the church, right? Yeah. So if they identify that, hey, we think you'd be really good at this. You know, we have a responsibility to try to be open and at least attempt it. And I Mm -hmm. think that's lost a lot when people join up. They they, Mm -hmm. they think Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that. So this idea of maybe, and 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 I'll just echo this too, like the um, talk to talking to your leaders, the leadership of the church uh, doesn't need to be this uh, scary thing or like this thing that's going to mean that you're going to raise a, a fuss. Like um, I'm an elder, which is weird to say out loud still, uh, but come talk to me about, hey, what, uh, you know, you said this thing during Sunday school. Um, tell me more about that. Uh, or, hey, why are we doing this thing the way that they're, we're doing it? I want to talk to you about that. I, I want to have that conversation. I think it's better when we are in <clears throat> open conversation, honest conversation. We have so much in common uh, that that just transcends our daily, like, external lives uh, that we should be able to have these conversations without uh, without stress. Like, there's grace upon grace for to have these conversations. Um, lastly, this picture of uh, the church as bride. So, uh, building, living stone upon living stone, body. We're unified, but not uniform. We have diff- God has made us differently so that we can serve His His uh, His body differently and the and the world differently. Uh, and then bride. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will God rejoice over you. This is from Isaiah, and we're just going to do a really quick tour of the Bible. Um, husbands <laughs> love your wives. This is Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Uh, and then in Second Corinthians, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ. And then Revelation 19, history culminates with this marriage supper of the lamb. So this idea of us, of, of the church as the bride and Jesus as the bridegroom has loads of implications. Uh, Let's see, how should, this, how should this like honeymoon affection that Jesus has for us impact our view of the church? The application is not, this is, this is really interesting. They pointed this out in the book. The application is not that we should just love Jesus like he loved the, like, like he loved the church. That's not the, that's not the immediate application we should draw from that. Uh, what is the immediate application? Uh, it's not that we should be like the ideal uh, groom. It's actually the opposite. That we see ourselves as the adorned bride looking down the aisle at our salvation, at an expectant Jesus who is excited and his knees are buckling and he is emotional and wants us to be his right He wants us for himself he is a jealous God he he wants our affections and he is working in our life to prepare us for that eternal fellowship with him so the application is not what can I do to, to be the best the best uh, um, at, at loving Jesus and serving him It's like okay, that's good like that's that's aspirational it's great but like Again, taking a step back and, and just resting in this idea that we are the bridegroom, that Jesus—Jesus uh, Jesus is the bridegroom, and we are the bride that Jesus is longing after. Right? There's loads of application in that foundational truth, and it's not necessarily what can you do. It's sitting back and resting in that truth, like uh, being still and knowing that He is God, that He is the bridegroom that is after His bride. Um, Dan did a great job last week of talking about how, you know, at a wedding when 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 the and I this is getting emotional now because we got married in this room um, and so like when I'm standing I am standing like right here and Julie walks in and the, what I feel in that moment like exponentially more is what Jesus feels feels towards us when he sees us as his his bride that he is longing after that image in and of itself ought to cause us to go, wow, um, Jesus has this affection for us, even though <laughs> we continually uh, like fail him, <laughs> right? Um, what, a, what a beautiful picture that is. I could stop like right there. Um, so we should keep the roles correct. We are the ones coming down the aisle. It, this frees us to serve because we are rooted in the affection that he has for us. So rooted to, you know, we are freed to serve because we are rooted in affection. Uh, we, we can passionately pursue what Jesus wants us to pursue because he um, is, um, because he longs for us. And, and, and resting in Jesus as the bridegroom allows us to, to not worry about how, how it looks when we're trying to serve him, right? We just, our, our singular focus is to serve him and his church. And if Jesus loved the church enough to die for her, we can love uh, her enough to be patient with her, right? So if the, if the church is <clears throat> made up of living stones that are still this side of eternity sinful and, and going to uh, mess up and frustrate, um, then we can, uh, we can be patient because Jesus was patient with us. Going back to yeah. what you said about his example, Jesus' example for us to witness, uh, to serve, to sacrifice, and sanctify mm. right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And And Mm -hmm.
1: I use that a lot of times in my high school setting. I work in a high school scenario, and I have a lot of juniors and seniors. And when we're talking about romantic love, I'm like, well, guys, have they done the three S's that, you know, a boyfriend should do? Or someone Mm -hmm. who cares about you? Are they serving? Are they Mm -hmm. sacrificing? Mm -hmm. Are they sanctifying you? Mm -hmm.
0: Serve, sacrifice, sanctify. That's Jesus' like as yeah. he pursues so us they're as they're the bridegroom and, and we're the bride, right? Like exactly. his his role in our life is to build us up as a they're holy temple. And right. And then you know, God will use us in the way he sees fit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Go high schoolers. They're they're fun. Um Dan, I'm so sorry. I'm not even gonna look at you. It's nine forty five. Yeah. He he's gonna do the classic like I told you so. Like, out, out I actually did expect this. So, yeah. Uh,
1: now it's only a minute. I'll just be loud. So for the podcast. Oh yeah, for the podcast. Do it for the podcast. For the podcast. By the way, if you miss a class, you can catch it on Redeemer Radio, and also downstairs class I think also is going to be loaded as well. Um, I'm going to ask a couple questions, then we'll be done, and I'll pick just up five minutes of Dave's class next week. Um, Because it segues into what he's going to do. Do you think of yourself as more A, as holy, or B, becoming holy? All right, so A, holy, B, becoming holy. How many, just first blush, because you're going to change your answer. Uh, A, how many think of yourself as holy? All right, how many of you think of yourself as becoming holy? And someone had the better answer, C, it's both. All right, so we're going to talk just for a few minutes at the start of next class, another image about uh, us being saints. And what does that mean? Uh, Because that's going to set up what Dave's going to talk about a little bit, about some of the messiness of the church, uh, something called the visibility and the invisibility of the church, and what do those terms mean and how are they helpful, and also kind of build uh, a bit of a foundation for why uh, God calls us to be part of a local church, not just the universal church, but part of a local church. So that's where we're going to go next week. So hope you all can be here, and if you think about it, um, just throughout the week, review some of those images and keep thinking, how do those things impact how I view Christ's bride, and how do I view and am involved in and part of Redeemer as a local body so let me pray for us lord thanks for this morning and a chance to be reminded that uh, as the body of christ uh, lord we are to be united as the building we are to be worshipers which we're about to enter into Uh, as the the bride we are beloved and that we are to be loving towards one another so help us continue to to make these truths reality in our uh, horizontal relationships Uh, And now, stir our affections as we go to worship you together. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.